JD.com is China's largest online retailer, largest retailer by revenue, and the stock is down massively. It's trading as cheaply right now as eight times EBITDA, it used to be as high as 60. This company rebounds as a scenario where you can make over 400% of your money. Give me 20 minutes, I'm gonna walk through the fundamentals and let's see what we think this company can make if you buy it today, held it for 10 years. You ready? Let's get to work. Hello, welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate the, um, the watching the channel and all the comments. I do want to follow up on last week. We ran a contest with the person who watched the Ferrari versus Volkswagen video and commented. Uh, that's going to go to Akis285. He's going to get a free month of the cash flow membership. Congratulations, sir. DM me and we will get that hooked up. Now, let's keep going. Um, David just recently posted in the Cash Flow Club a, um, a review of JD.com. We've been doing Doing, uh, Alibaba, we've been doing JD, we've been doing Baidu, we know a lot of the Chinese stocks because they're down massively. And, and now it's like, is this value country? And how much risk does China um, uh, represent? And what's the return you could get for taking on that risk? So we wanted to take a look at this stock. Now they're the top retailer. We're going to go through the fundamentals here, uh, analyze it from an equity perspective as the stockholder, how much risk can we taking and what kind of return can we get by buying the stock? But before we do that, I want to revisit the five key factors that we use here at this value-based cash flow investing channel where we focus on the cash flow of a business as the underlying value and we build from there. Now we use top five key attributes. Number one, top line revenue growth. Revenue needs to be growing. Number two, earnings. We use enterprise level earnings of EBITDA as that needs to be growing. Number three, strong free cash flow. Number four, you want a company with low debt, period. Number five, a well-priced stock. What is a well-priced stock? Well, that's kind of the, uh, the the art in this whole game. You want a stock with a forecast that's conservative and the forecast is projected to beat the stock market. That's kind of what you're trying to do. And you let the stock price come down to you. Stock price moves all the time, up and down. It can move 50% higher or lower in a particular year on average. And so you just build a forecast, you find the stocks that you absolutely would love to own and you wait for the stock price to come to you. That's how some of the big investors uh, crush it. So let's take a look at JD.com. Now, first of all, what is JD.com? Well, you can see it's top, top leading retailer in China, $150 billion of revenue last fiscal year. They ship countrywide. This is some of the um, highlights from their annual report. Superior service through nationwide logistics. Uh, network. Now, you're, there, there's a lot of sales pitch in here. Superior service, I don't think is guaranteed just because you have a nationwide logistical network, right? You can have terrible service in a logistic network. This slide is clearly just showing the scope of their logistics. Congratulations. Uh, diversified business uh, with wide spectrum. I, again, here I challenge this. I think in terms of revenue that they have, they are a retail business. They have other business lines that don't nearly scratch the surface in terms of the total revenue that they produce. But hey, they're trying to sell a little bit of the stock to the investors. Most all company, most all investor relations departments do that. Another slide where I want to point out what investor relations will do is they will say things like robust free cash flow generation, um, 
and they say, you know, adjusted cash flow from operations, they show you a, a dollar amount here, or, or billions, Rama B here, of 53. That's fine, but I don't know if this is robust or not because I have nothing to compare it to. When you, use light, when you use language like robust, you want to ground this in something. I would have put a margin in there as well. So I would have shown here's the Raman B level and here's our percent to revenue. So you get a relative scale of how robust the cash flow is, but that's just a nuance. Assets, we copy and paste the assets down here and the liabilities. I will say that they have uh, stock holdings in some of the other companies that they have taken public. Now, when you read through the uh, 10Ks of the Chinese stocks, uh, you need to note that A, they are uh, Cayman Island holding companies that you're actually buying. You're not actually buying assets in the Chinese company, which is a huge issue for me. It's, it's, it's been a problem trying to invest in these companies because of that. So that's one giant red flag. Also. Their financial statements and their disclosures are massively complex. And JD.com is just yet another one with, that owns equity positions and uh, collateralized debt obligations or even unsecured debt obligations in other businesses that have started up and taken those public as well. We will dive into some of that where a lot of their cash generation over the last five years has been from liquidating stock at JD Health and putting it on the balance sheet of JD.com, which isn't necessarily cash generated from JD.com's business, but really the, the sale proceeds from IPOs that they have done when the market was hot. So here's kind of a long-term view of what the stock has done basically since the IPO. It absolutely was flat for a while and then ripped up to 400% uh, with, with, the, with the boom. It has come back absolutely destroyed since then. The question is if revenue is up substantially. In 2014, let's see as an example, revenue was $18 billion. Now, revenue is $151 billion, and the stock has kind of made a full loop. So what does that mean? What, how much, what does that mean for value? How do we price something like this? We're gonna dive right into that right now. Okay, let's dive into the details. Now, behind me is our cash flow one pager. It's what Acus285 got a subscription to. We run stock analysis on about 200 companies right now. Our analyst team is growing. If you wanna join the club and become an analyst, uh, DM me, I'm happy to take a look at your resume. Um, what we do is we look at 10 years of history and try to draw inferences from uh, the 10 year of actual results rather than relying on what management is telling us because management, uh, at least for poorly run companies, will often try to sell investors something, but we wanna see what, how do they handle reality? We can compare these actual results to what they told us that was gonna happen uh, at the time and we can see how good they are at running their business. So that's why we look at historical actuals because it's the only fact we have. We run things with cash flow up top. You've got revenue, EBITDA, debt, market cap, and some value metrics off the side. And then we summarize the whole thing off to the right on the five key attributes that I covered earlier. We then create a forecast down below for both EBITDA and free cash flow, estimate the price, and give you an IRR target. Now, let's dive through here and just summarize quickly, very quickly, uh, what is JD.com and what have they done over the last decade? Now, we have converted all of these into US dollars. Uh, so there's going to be a little differential depending on how you do that, uh, marking to market. But let's take a look at revenue. So revenue in 2013, fiscal year 13 for them was 
uh, $11.5 billion. And that has grown very nicely to 18 .5, 27.8, 37.2, 55.6, 67.82, $114 in 2020. 149 and 152 last year. So last year, the growth rate really plateaued. But prior to that, they had a massive run up in revenue. On average, that's a 33% revenue growth rate on average annually over that decade period of time. Congratulations to that team for moving that needle. Absolutely monstrous. Uh, EBITDA. EBITDA, enter, enterprise level earnings, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. It's a proxy for cash flow that is on the uh, income statement. It's not free cash flow, but it's a proxy for it. And we use that as a guide. We also check absolutely pure free cash flow. So EBITDA minus 47 million in 2013, where they lost money. 2014 minus 700 million, then minus 15 million. So they're losing money earlier on when their revenue was sub 30 uh, 30 billion. Then it breaks positive to 300 million in earnings in 2016 and kind of grows from there. Uh, 500, 431, then 1.5 billion, then uh, 2.5 billion, 1.5 billion, and 3.7 billion. You'll notice here that the EBITDA is A, up and down a bit more, and B, very small relative to revenue. Their earnings are exceptionally thin here. So they're making about 1 to 2%. Uh, annually on their on their earnings, which is razor thin margins, in my opinion, that is a very very thin business. I'd like to see them move that up. Uh, conversely, if we just zip ahead quickly and just compare that to the cash flow from operations, cash flow from operations is substantially higher. When I look at this, uh, in 2017, 3.7 billion dollars of cash flow from operations versus 500 million in EBITDA. Uh, you keep going to last year, 7.2, 7.3 billion dollars of free cash flow operations, or cash flow operations, and last year, uh, 3.7 billion of EBITDA. So why is cash flow from operations so much higher than EBITDA? Generally, it's reversed. You would see EBITDA a lot higher. Well, in this EBITDA, they actually have a lot of other costs. Uh, they've done a lot of impairment of assets that they have had. So if they're, um, they IPO JDHealth.com, that IPO value sitting on their balance sheet, as that stock comes down, they have to write down that value. And that is a hit to earnings. That lowers the EBITDA. They have, uh, they, they have not paid much in taxes. They do pay taxes, but they've, they've been receiving tax credits. So that tax credit is meaning they're boost, they're accruing for it here and they're boosting uh, their free cash flow with it. There's some other working capital changes that has caused it to be a little higher. Not, I'm not a huge fan of that. I think that's a little, little bit sticky for me. Uh, they also get cash flow from selling, uh, selling the stock in JDHealth.com. We'll cover that in a little bit. But let's keep going. So debt is essentially zero here. They've got nine billion dollars of debt, uh, but they have twenty billion dollars of cash. So when I net these two. It's zero. That's excellent. Market cap has gone from $29 billion up to a high of $130 billion, down to $91 billion. It is currently $42 billion right now. $42 billion is here. That's in 2015 when they had a, market, a revenue of only $30 billion and losing money. Revenue is now five times the size. They're now making 
four to four to billion dollars a year in earnings, about seven billion in operating cash flow, and their market cap has fallen back to where it was uh, eight, nine, uh, seven, eight years ago. Enterprise value is just debt minus cash plus uh, market cap. It's basically the same here. It gets even cheaper because you have the uh, the, the chunk of, of cash that you're subtracting. So when we look at leverage met metrics, leverage metrics here are zero because they have lots of cash. EBITDA market multiple, if we take a look at kind of a relative value, the enterprise value, the entire value of the business versus how much annual earnings do they generate, that metric has come down substantially. You can think of a price earnings ratio. People a lot of times quote a PE ratio. That's simply the stock price divided by the earnings per share. This is doing it in an enterprise level, so the entire business. So enterprise value divided by company-wide earnings is a better measure than earnings per share, in my opinion. <clears throat> but this, this stock, had had earnings potential of 100, excuse me, mark, uh, enterprise value measures of over 100 times, and that has fallen down at a recent high of 68 times. It is now eight. That's right, a single digit eight times enterprise value to EBITDA for a company that has zero net debt. Growth is questionable. I give you that because last year margins are thin, but it's a very big business. Uh, so I think that's really interesting. Let's take a look at cash flow. So I, I covered cash flow of my operation, adjusted cash flow of my operation. That's growing at 33% on average. In general, this is in line with your EBITDA. So the growth rates are similar, even though the cash flow of operations is, is higher than EBITDA because like I said earlier, there are non-cash charges that are being hit on the income statement, which is lowering this number. CapEx is pretty steady, about $2.8 billion a year in recent years. So if they're making, call it seven or five to seven billion a year in, in cash flow from operations, they take off 3.8 or 3 billion. So that leaves you with, say, five to three to five billion dollars of free cash flow that you can use to value the business. And that's what you see here. Here's like your two to six, they borrowed some money here. So that's like three to five billion of free cash flow. Shares outstanding, 1.59 billion shares outstanding. They grew the shares outstanding. Otherwise, this would be a trifecta opportunity. But right now, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they may continue to print shares. So I'm going to leave that alone. On a, on a cash basis, they're in that high $2 a share range. You can pick this stock up for roughly 33 bucks a share right now. So you're talking a pretty strong double, uh, high single digit stock uh, yield, free cash flow yield. And if you look at a couple years with a little bit of growth, you're over double digits. You're over 10% free cash flow in a couple years. So it's got some cash flow. Uh, it's, got, it's got a lot of cash flow. It seems like it's cheap. It might be well priced. Let's take a look at the forecast, but it's definitely checking a couple boxes in terms of revenue, EBITDA, and low debt. Okay, let's take a look at the forecast. So what we're doing here is we're going to grow EBITDA 40% year over year. That's kind of the street's estimate for the stock price. They expect earnings to rebound. In fact, out long term, they're expecting $8 billion. Street's expecting $8 billion by 2025. We have 6.3 and we're keeping that fairly flat. We want $9.5 billion of EBITDA in 10 years, which is essentially up uh, call that four billion dollars. Uh, they're doing they're doing three point. They're going four now. So we expect them to double in profitability in a decade. 
and that 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 comes with single digit growth out long term. So I think that's fairly conservative. Uh, also, in the exit multiple, I'm keeping eight times. I'm not going back to 20 or 15 or so forth. If this stock recovers and the China US stuff kind of stabilizes, this stock could easily get back to 15 times earnings, which is a much more appropriate earnings level, or excuse me, earnings multiple for a company that's generating one point, uh, no, $150 billion of revenue. And at that time, $9 billion of, of, of EBITDA. <clears throat> but what I get is I get a stock price of $55.13 for this company if I use a EBITDA market multiple approach. Now I can use the free cash flow, which is the same thing I'm doing before. When I, when I said we looked at free cash flow, we said cash flow operations, less CapEx, there's no debt payments. So your, free, your cash flow from operations minus CapEx comes straight to the stockholder. So you stockholder would get that in theory if they dividended it out or they bought back shares or they made acquisitions. Uh, so you can value your pro rata ownership of that free cash flow. That's what we've done here. We said, I'm going to get this cash flow stream. I'm going to apply a, a free cash flow yield to that, which is 10%, a conservative number. It's not nearly the 1% we see, excuse me, the, the single digit that we see a lot here in the States. And you get $51 per share. If I put this all together into a matrix and I say, I'm going to buy a company today it's 33 bucks. That's where I can buy as much stock as I want for 33. And then I own a pro rata share of this free cash flow. I then sell the business for $53 out 10 years. That's a 16 to 17% IRR. That means you're making 16, 17% on your money every single year for that decade pair time, which is a very strong return, uh, beats the market, and is a very, very attractive. So let's let's recap the five key factors here. Number one, top line revenue growth, yes. Number two, earnings growth, yes. Number three, strong free cash flow. I'm gonna check the box. It's not as robust as I would like because the margins are weak, but they have no debt so that the, the cash flow to us is high. Number four, uh, low debt, debt is zero. Number five, well-priced. By this metric, it is well-priced because it is, um, it is, uh, it is above the 10% hurdle, which is kind of the benchmark for the S&P 500. So what am I gonna do on this one? I'm gonna go, technically, it's a good, because it meets the five criteria. You have a robust target here. You have possible market multiple expansion opportunity. If they turn to buy back stock, it would be a trifecta opportunity. For me personally, it's gotta be a meh, because while the, the, the numbers line up, I, I can't get over the, the issue with the, with the U.S.-China relationship. And I, I'm very concerned about putting my money into companies that are in, the chi in, in, chi in China and being able to get the money out when I want or having them push in other taxes or other management uh, that I can't control. So uh, there's a lot here that I like um, in terms of a fundamental company. Uh, it's tough to pull the trigger on. It does appear to be very cheap in my mind. Eight times EBITDA is a very cheap number. Let's do a little bit of, of math here. If you get a market multiple expansion, <clears throat> let's say you got a forward EBITDA of $9.5 billion. If I take $9.5 uh, billion forward EBITDA times 15, that's an enterprise value of $142 billion. If I subtract a little bit of debt, 945, 
zero and I add the cash 20457, uh, I get a market cap of $153 billion. Divide that by the shares outstanding. Shares outstanding right here, 1.59 billion. And I get $96 a share. That's a, basically $100 a share. If the stock market multiple returns to anything remotely reasonable, I think you can get a very strong increase in the stock value for this company if you are one who holds uh, Chinese stocks. This is very cheap and has a pretty market leading position in a monster economy. So it's up to you. Tell me what you think. Are you buying this stock? Are you selling it? What do you think on JD.com? What do you think of the analysis? Throw me a comment down below. Hit the subscribe button and the like. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, this week, we gave away a free membership to the Cashflow Club, uh, which we have lots of other stocks in there like this one. I'm happy to do that again. If people like that kind of contest, we can continue to run it. But throw me a comment. Give me the like. I greatly appreciate it. And I will see you next week. This has been Cameron Stewart. CFA at Rational Investing. Uh, have a great week. Bye-bye.